Oh, g'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Tour ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, is the Maori Party getting any traction with all this protesting that seems to be happening lately? Um, in fact, let's look at the polls generally and see which parties uh, are on the way up and which are on the way down. We've got another poll out about uh, whether we want EVs, and uh, that all sort of ties in nicely to first world problems generally. But first up, Boris, no problems at all at the moment. Yes, Boris. Boris is impressive stuff. The fact you can call him Boris probably helps. He sounds like a thing. And he sounds like he's been planning running Britain for a while, a tour of the northern part of the country. He's announced 20,000 extra police, a fast train, a new immigration system, a pamphlet for every house in the country as to how they're going to handle the no-Brexit deal. Further, he's ruled out going to the polls before October and is not going to Brussels or any European capital so they can sweat in their own juices. And you wonder why he got a 10-point bounce in the first poll. In fact, he got a 10-point bounce simply by turning up. Once the POMs soak up a bit more of this stuff, it'll be doubled. He's full of vim and vigour, and is everything he promised to be. Perhaps most importantly of all, he's outlandishly optimistic, which the Brits love, of course, and haven't seen for many a year, certainly not in such a colourful package. And as one scribe put it the other day, upon reviewing the Johnson opening stanza in the Commons, Jeremy Corbyn suddenly looked very old. The Euro stance is significant at last. I mean, at long, long, long last, Britain has a leader who has finally woken up to how to handle the continent. Ignore them. Set their own course. Look after yourself. May spent her life shuffling back and forth to Brussels. When was the last time you saw Barney on Downing Street? And that's the arrogance. That's the one-sidedness they failed to get a grip of. And already you're seeing the panic from across the channel. They announced over the weekend that the, the Johnson stance on leaving come hell or high water in 94 days was, quote, unacceptable. Well, doodums. Boris is too busy planning and producing pamphlets to worry about that. If they get some movement, some wiggle room on a deal, great. If they don't, it's not stopping them. And it's that determination that has not only snatched the power back from Brussels, but has also injected Britain with a level of self-belief and patriotism that if Boris holds the line will only grow. That's why they mobbed him in Birmingham over the weekend. No one mobbed May. The warnings are still out there, of course, from the worriers, the crash, the pound plummet, the recession. But if there has been a constant post that, day in June of 16, it's that the Wowsers, the doom merchants, the forecasters of gloom, have been wrong every single time. And spectacularly so. Jobs are up, wages are up, growth is still to be found. Some businesses who panicked over uncertainty have paid a price, but primarily, life has carried on. And so it will in 94 days, and 95, and 96, and 196. Boris might just be, early days, but he might just be, as good as you can imagine. Yes, Boris is really bouncing into life with a bang there. Um, seems to be going well for him. Meanwhile, back here, uh, the Maori uh, land protests uh, happening in Auckland. Does this bode well for the Maori Party generally? From our dreams are free file is the suggestion that the Maori Party such as they are, is eyeing up a comeback as a result of the land occupation or protest or festival get-together or whatever it is you want to call that fiasco at the Fletcher site at the moment. A similar, a similar thing was said a couple of weekends ago when a group hired an entire hotel to sit around for the afternoon and express their outrage over the nabbing of babies by Oranga Tamariki.
At some point, those who dream of organising political parties might want to realise that forming groupings based on anger leads nowhere productive or indeed long term. The original Maori Party was of course formed out of the foreshore and seabed scrap with the then Labour government. As the issue faded, so did the anger, so did the reason for the party. Hence in 2017 the last remnants were voted out. You can't just go round looking for scraps and aggrieved players and then thinking it's next stop Wellington. And the irony of all of this is that a Maori party doesn't represent Maori because there isn't a Maori vote per se. Not all Maori are the same or anywhere close to it. Even at the Fletcher's site, they're scrapping with each other. Uh, There is no cohesive Maori voice. Never has been, never will be. Uh, The Greens suffer the same issue. Under the broadest of environmental umbrellas, they represent a cause, but it's never taken off. It's never been harnessed as successfully as it could have been, simply because one green is not the same as another. Once again, we find the scrap at Fletcher's as an example. At the communist agitator end of the Greens, you got your Marimers, your Golrises, your Chloe's. They can't get enough of a good old cause. You'll note James Shaw, the sensible one, isn't within 100 miles of the place. He must be pulling his hair out when he sees this sort of stuff. The person who wants to save a snail or open a walking track, or run their compost bin on solar panels, doesn't get Chloe or Marimer, and I suspect secretly wishes they'd go away and let the Greens be green instead of activists and stirrers. And that's before you get to yet another irony of the Greens' presence. They're protesting against themselves. They seem to forget they're actually part of the government. The protesters want the government to do something. So the Greenies are saying to themselves, given they're part of the solution, that they want themselves to do something. That's how nutty it all is. Political progress and success is based on concepts and ideas and moving a country forward. The Maori Party was based on the past and a lot of anger. And an attempt to resurrect it now will be based on exactly the same thing and will end up, even if it flickered to any sort of life, will end up in exactly the same fashion. Okay, so that's that's the prospects for one minor party. What about the rest of them? In fact, what about the major parties? Uh, Mike's had a little look at the most recent numbers on those. National 45, Labour 43, the Greens 6. In an MMP environment, this is the one news poll last night, 45, 43, 46. In an MMP environment, what does this tell you about MMP? What a complete and utter waste of time it is. It hasn't worked, it isn't working, it doesn't work. I say that not from a point of view of being pro or anti-MMP, just an observation of the numbers. Add up 45 and 43 and what have you got? you got 88. 88% of us support two major parties. No one crosses the threshold bar the Greens. Why are we wasting our time with MMP, for goodness sake? Um, and why are we wasting our time uh, talking so much about EVs? Uh, because there's a poll out saying that we've all considered buying one, but Mike holds no truck with such polls. Here he is, holding no truck. Certainly no electric truck with it anyway. Michael says the text, let me reiterate. This is from a Trade Me press release that I too got. Michael, more evidence about your Luddite EV view. 74% of Kiwis are thinking about buying an EV for the next car. Well, that's a crap survey. Look, let me tell you, I was in a BMW showroom over the weekend, and I seriously, hand on heart, I looked at an i8, which is a hybrid. And I looked at that and I thought, that's a good-looking car. I've never owned one. I might buy that. So technically, if I'd answered the Trade Me survey, I have considered buying an EV. Did I? No. Did 74% of people who considered it? No. It's reality versus theory. Thinking about something is not doing. And thinking shouldn't be in a survey. Have you ever thought about a better tomorrow? Oh, yes. 100% of Kiwis are thinking about a better tomorrow. What the hell does it mean? means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yes, which polls to believe, which cars to buy. These are all first world problems, of course, but they're not the worst first world problems. Oh, no. 
here they are. The 13, I don't know why there's 13, but here they are, the 13 worst ones. Trending now on the Mike Hosking Breakfast. You can't literally still be in business productively and successfully when you're never making any money, which is the purpose of business in the first place. In the age of rage, upset and triviality magnified beyond any reasonable expectation, someone's taken to Twitter this morning to list the 13 worst first world problems you can experience. And so far, there's been a more than 100,000 retweets. Here they are. One, waking up earlier than necessary on a day off. Two, leaving the reusable grocery bags at home. Three, being in one room with a dying phone when the phone charges in another. Four, neighbours who park in front of your house. Not theirs. I couldn't agree with that more. I'd put that to one immediately. Five, missing out on a package because no one else was home to sign for it. I have sympathy with that too. Six, the shampoo runs out or the conditioner runs out, but never at the same time. Uh, Seven, cold tea or coffee. Eight, unexpectedly freezing shower water. Nine, forgetting to replenish toilet paper supplies and getting stuck. Ten, ruining a perfectly good meal with mustard water. Eleven, always losing the plastic clip on the toast bag. Twelve, getting comfy in bed only to realise... That's right, got to get up and turn the light off. Thirteen, ruining a perfectly good pot by forgetting to immediately clean out the pasta. I only recognise about two or three of those. I've got the uh, shampoo. You know, I, I was confused by the mustard water one, but I understand that now when you squeeze the mustard out and only water comes out. Well done, Glenn. Thank you so much for that. He says that like everybody just automatically knew what mustard water was. Did you? Did you when you... Be honest. Like, I know now. And it is annoying. That's why you should always shake the bottle first before unscrewing the top thing. I'm Glenn ZB. <laughs> there are a lot of first world problems, aren't there? Uh, that was the rewrap, and you'll have no problem hearing it again tomorrow because I'll be doing it again in about 24 hours' time. See you then.